Hey, it's Tim here. Before the episode starts, first of all, just a sincere apology from me. This episode's about a month and a half late. I had some technical difficulties with the episode, so unfortunately I couldn't get it out on time. But here it is anyway. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to season two, episode eight of Datum. How are you, Ravi? How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We're we're over the heat wave that hit us a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> where we we all just completely melted. Right. I'm gonna make my usual complaint that when it's happened six summers in a row, it's not a heat wave. It's called a season. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. It's it's not. It's no longer. It's it's now a trend. Yes. It is consistently hot each summer. It's no yeah. surprise. Therefore, it is summer but yes it's actually getting hotter and hotter which is in itself a concerning thing so it's technically always a heat wave because every year it beats the previous year's record so it's technically a heat wave anyway have you been we've been uh, away from the podcast for some time haven't we we have yeah i think things have been going on i think our last one was our quick hot take on on the salesforce tableau Mm -hmm. acquisition Mm -hmm. which is now completed yes uh, as of last week Mm Um, so yeah, no, it's, 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 it's been good. What else have I been up to? I went to the Tableau conference in Berlin. Oh, wow. How was that? Yeah, it was good. It was, um, I think it was the first one they've had away from Europe, uh, away from Europe, away from London in Europe. Um, and it was a completely, it was quite a nice, a nice change of scenery, a good vibe. I think a bit more, uh, quieter and, um, low, low, I wouldn't say low key, but, um, it, it seemed a bit more spread out maybe maybe it's just the german efficient overtones that that did it but um a standard tableau conference where you sort of go away and you you, you meet people who have got the similar ideas and you come back energized um, a couple of new features coming out which um are worth checking out but i think for me the biggest takeaway was the release of tableau blueprint yeah i mean let's go into that a little bit so like at a very high level we'll probably talk about this at some other time but at a high level mm-hmm. what, what is blueprint it is kind of like agile. I think is the best way to explain it. It's sort of like this framework or strategy. Uh, you can't. It's not really a thing that you can hold and touch and grasp. Mm-hmm. It's more like a, an idea or an approach. So um, there used to be a document called Tableau Drive, which is about eight pages long, mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't really fit for purpose for like companies who are doing things at scale. So what what's happened is Tableau's created this other thing called Blueprint, which is gives you a bit more detail about different aspects. So there's an entire document or section about teams, about deployment, about measuring success, about, um, you know, education and learning. So it's all of these different aspects that some of it does seem like common sense, but it's quite nice to be able to point to something that gives you that answer. Cool. So um, in this sort of, like in the sort of job I do with, with customers and customer success and helping them, you know, be, be the best they, they can be this is always really interesting for me um which then harks back to all the, all the things i've been doing with tableau server as well good so good good so you you've generally had a very busy um busy summer i think um it's been a lot going on you're also moving up in life which is a, which is a good yeah thing. exactly yeah exactly nice, I'm, nice. I'm back i'm back on the bike i've done a couple of longish rides um and yeah yeah lots going on on the personal life side of things so moving moving on up and yeah so it was all good how about you how's your summer been i have to say i was about to say uh, next time you go on a cycle why not invite me over so i can come with my new drone <laughs> oh you finally got the drone yeah i did i did so actually um the, the backstory to this is we were going to ireland and um uh, we were going to um an area in ireland called Kerry. so it's on the right. sort of southern 
oh my my geography is awful southwestern <laughs> sort of um part of ireland so it's, a, it's okay. about as far as you could get if you were driving somewhere in ireland so that's exactly what i did because we we're taking our uh toby our dog um so that was a mm-hmm. long drive anyway um I knew we were going to be doing some awesome hikes, get doing seeing some awesome scenery uh, in awesome places. The weather was looking good, and it was just one of those things where, okay, listen, if I'm going to get a drone for like to film Now's something, and I'm going to have time, um, I checked the um, you know Irish airspace uh, uh, restrictions, and there were none in the area whatsoever, other than the usual sort of safety um, precautions you have to take when flying a drone. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is it. This is it. I'm going to go in. So literally two days before we went to Ireland, this drone arrived. Um, I got a pretty good deal on it, actually. <laughs> um, it was it's the DJI Mavic Air. And oh, my word. The, the, the man, I think the first three days, I think I was just flying it aimlessly. I didn't really care about the quality of the footage I was taking. But once mm-hmm. I got into the flow, I think I, I I put down about four hours of flight time, which if you know the batteries wow. are 20 minutes each, and I only had three, <laughs> that's sort of, quite an achievement over a few days. Like you have to be, do some sort of midday charges. But anyway, no, I'll put a link to some of the um, footage, um, which I shot in 4K, but of course I have no 4K screen to look at it, <laughs> and nor so, do I have yeah. any laptop that's capable of editing 4K. But I have the raw footage, so I'll just upload it straight to YouTube and see Check what happens. Check out to YouTube yeah. for about 20 <laughs> seconds, yeah. yeah. Very nice, very so, nice. yeah, very good, very good. Uh, much needed break in Ireland. Absolutely beautiful place, I think. Um, highly encourage you, uh, anyone who has a chance to go. Drone aside, it's just a beautiful place, you know. It's... Um, it's amazing. So you're back at it now. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I'm back at it. And now I've got into um, sort of a role where I'm, I'm looking a lot at Tableau Embed. It's been quite an interesting journey. Okay, yeah, because Embed's quite a new thing, right? So it's it's like Embed, it's like taking the, the chart part of Tableau and chucking it into, into like a HTML interface as well. Yeah, I'd say the practice of embedding Tableau visualizations is not new. I think lots of organizations mm-hmm. have done it in internal portals and so on and so forth for quite some time. The difference is, is that um, Tableau's licensing now enables that to happen for um, your customers who are external to your organization. So previously, mm-hmm. um, you'd get a Tableau server, you'd deploy it to everyone in your organization and then you'd be done with it if you wanted external customers maybe these are maybe your marketing company and you do um you want to give sort of data to your customers what you'd have right. to do is to create an internal email for that client and then they'd have to log in and you know look look at um, the content that way there's there's a few security risks with that sort of approach, exactly right? like people, it teams will sort of look at you as if you've gone crazy exactly and- and it does. It's not really feasible if you start um, if you have something like four or five thousand uh, plus sort of mm-hmm. external users. And so, um, uh, basically, Tableau introduced a new license called the Embed license, which allows you to specify uh, you know certain data sources that are going to be used up front, um, sort of a sort of restricted domain of what your application is going to do. Normally, it's just being embedded in a portal, and then um, you can basically make your Tableau visualizations open um, technically to the world through your whatever embed solution you're going to be doing. So it might be a mm-hmm. website, it might be sort of a part of a more comprehensive dashboard that's web and sort of tableau based. Um, but then also you get the benefit of doing things like authentication in your application. So you do this sort of security handshake with Tableau to verify that users are who they are. And then it means you can augment uh, Tableau content with web content. And that's been sort of a really interesting thing I've seen in the last couple of weeks, actually, as a client. And cool. so that's cool. But it comes with its challenges. It's not a 
Um, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. I think um, we'll probably talk about this some other time, but yeah, it's uh, it's one of those really sort of, it's it sounds it's great, niche. but yeah. it, there's so many moving parts and it actually means that unlike a normal Tableau installation, it, you know, Tableau is not solely the focus yeah, in an embed yeah. setup actually. And it, 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 it's, it's, it's a mechanism for getting data from A to B, but it's not the majority sort of the predominant focus and because of that um it can you can kind of find yourself in a situation where you haven't shown it enough love so um yeah interesting very cool very cool but we've ranted on for a long time and we haven't even told people what our show today is about <laughs> yeah so we we're talking about aws and i think broadly the cloud but the focus is on amazon web services right, right, today right right um, mainly because we've both been playing with it a bit. I think we've you've done a few right, more exams I was than say I have. I'm playing. Come on, <laughs> I was not playing around with those exams. <laughs> no, no, no. Very true. Very true. We, we're getting skilled up. We're upskilling. We're trying yeah. to understand what the world of cloud is. So we're going to talk a bit more about that today. Exactly. Exactly. So. And I think I think when we say that, it's one of these things that um, uh, when you're covering technical things, you always have to preface with the fact that. We are not experts. We are no. <laughs> at the very beginning of our journey. Um, we don't have the decade year of, of experience that you'll find uh, recruiters asking for, even though there's such a thing that doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, we're kind of coming at this uh, from a uh, from an analytics perspective because we, we're not cloud yeah. engineers per se. Um, I don't think we want to be. Well, at least I don't want to be. Oh, yeah, we, we. Who's we, Ravi? <laughs> <laughs> full, full, full stack developer here you come yeah, with. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, yeah, we're talking about AWS today. Um, for anyone who's wondering what the hell is AWS, uh, it's an acronym short for Amazon Web Services. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a bit of an embarrassing thing to admit. I used to say AWS. <laughs> oh, wow. Look at this guy. When I first came across it, I, I I saw the I saw the acronym A W S, and you just said it as and as I just it said, is. Amazon Oz. and you know the funny thing is, um, the person I said this to didn't correct me for a solid two months. Then like, right. not even once said <laughs> you do know it's A W S, and yeah. and then I said it in a meeting, and I think three people laughed at me, and they were like, mm-hmm. "You mean A W S?" and I was like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> would have been nice to know beforehand <laughs> exactly exactly gotcha cool so so amazon web service sort of came out i don't think it came out of nowhere because the history of amazon is pretty pretty wild right because it started off as the online bookstore well um, yeah yeah i mean it came um, out of nowhere it was you didn't expect it to come from a retail company right no right exactly yeah um, but I think the the really interesting thing about Amazon Web Services and the fact basically what they're doing is they've got loads of computing power and lo- loads of computing storage mm-hmm. um, and they're selling it as a service, right? And I think this was the, one of the first of its kind where they were like, you know what, we've got computing power, let's monetize this. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, actually, once once you think about it, there are only a few companies in the world that have the infrastructure and the uh, redundancy. So like if something fails something else picks it up. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean by redundancy um, to do that. Mm -hmm. So Amazon is one of them. Uh, Another one you probably say is Google. Yeah. Apple probably, if they ever want to get into that space, Facebook even, you know, like Facebook must have billions of servers or not billions, but a lot of server space at least that they might be able to monetize, but Mm -hmm. you know, if they want to. Yeah. 
And so that that's that's the interesting thing. I think this is inherently because Amazon's a retail uh, sort of company. And if you think of when um, AWS was launched, it was back in sort of 2003, 2004. So it's it's actually been with us for more than a decade. And the the, the approach generally within Amazon and something that Jeff, Jeff Bezos actually kind of instills in the ethos uh, Amazon is that when you build a solution, the first thing you have to do once you've built that solution is you have to make it in such a way that it can be packaged for not just your own sort of benefit um, but so that other people in the organization can use it so the team that built amazon.com they had to not only build amazon.com but they then had to modularize things like the shopping basket they had to modularize mm-hmm. things like the forum they had to modularize things like the um, server infrastructure that was driving that you know shopping carts and so on and so forth so by forcing the organization to break the component parts of the solution down into its separate bits, it actually enabled them to turn each of those components into um, products. And the main reason was if they were going to play in the retail space right. in a data-driven world, in a technology <laughs> space, they needed not only just to sell goods and so on and so forth, but they actually needed to enable, enable other organizations to do the same thing in the same space. So that was actually his initial philosophy around AWS. Let's not just sell stuff. Let's not just enable people to sell stuff through our you know, warehouses. Let's give the whole world the ability to sell at the kind of scale that we do through our infrastructure. Yeah, that's interesting, right? And I don't think anyone else would, would consider to get into that space because almost... It's almost like you've got the big, big players already now. Right. I don't think there's. It's really hard. It can be really hard for anyone to break through into that. Like I think the original um, servers as a service, as it were, was like Rackspace, who gave you a provisioned amount, mm-hmm. but didn't give you the flexibility that Amazon Web Services offered mm-hmm. when they first came into play. But then now we're in 2019, and we're talking about um, that. If if anyone's going to break into this market, well, it's it's pretty pretty difficult because there's such established players already. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly, and actually. What's what's been interesting is to see the evolution of AWS as mm-hmm. the pioneering sort of cloud uh, product. And there's a if you if you get into uh, sort of you know your first what is it your first hour of learning AWS if you've used the AWS material they give you this thing called a ten thousand foot view mm-hmm. right which is right. basically just showing the history and the overall view of you know what AWS offers and actually. You know, they started from one very basic service, um, you know, back in um, 2004. Um, I think it was Mm -hmm. SQS, which is like a basically a messaging system. And then in 2006, they launched it properly. Um, And over time, what they've done is they brought more and more features, sort of modularize each of those things uh, into sort of components to the point where... um, this, this, what was previously a, a problem in IT and technology infrastructure, where if you wanted to test an idea, uh, you had to yeah. go out, provision your your infrastructure. It would literally take six months for it to arrive, um, mm-hmm. and then you needed the skills to deploy it in a way that worked. And um, the the most important thing here is that even if you were testing these things. Um, this infrastructure would not scale at the same pace that you know your solution would. So you had to take a lot of upfront bets if you ever wanted to build anything that was at the kind of scale at, as Amazon or Google and so on and so forth. Because having that kind of hardware and infrastructure is, was just a really big constraint. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and 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 that that flexibility point is something that's so big mm-hmm. uh, that from what I understand at mm-hmm. least, right? So if I want to add, um, I don't know. 
a bunch more of hard disk space or or, or RAM or random like memory to my to my server. I yeah. can do that with the click of a button with all of these web based services where I'm using the cloud versus having to go down to my computer, open to pause it, open yeah. it up, yeah. actually put the physical actual hardware in. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I mean and and and, and I think the the other big thing that Amazon have done well, I think we're into the, the, the sort of about to teach on to so what part of the yeah, podcast, yeah. but what they've really done well is the learning part, right? So right, we both right. have been using the Amazon materials, and I think what they what they did quite quite nicely was they got stuck in, right? They were right. like, right, if we want people to actually use our softwares and all the services we provide, because there's a lot. Like I think on on that training course, if you ever look and and start understanding the amount the sheer volume of services that Amazon Web Services offers with their their infrastructure. You know, you've got stuff like robotics and satellites and mm-hmm. uh, machine learning, as well as the basic, the, the more simple stuff like databases and computers and uh, servers. Yeah. Um, along, alongside all of that comes a bunch of training content. And it's like, right, here's everything you need to know to understand how these products work, how these services work. We can teach you, we can educate you. And that's really interesting. And I think that's also a great USP, right? Because it's such a rich volume of content it that is. people are using. It is. And it's it's interesting. Um, you know, they I think they did something really smart, which is um, very early on, they encouraged lots of developers to go on and build solutions on there. Um, if it wasn't for AWS, I don't think half the startup technology firms that we know today, whether it's right. Facebook, yeah, yeah, Twitter, um, Instagram, iCloud even runs on AWS. All of these things would simply Tableau not public. exist. Tableau public, <laughs> yes. Um, all these things wouldn't exist because what what Amazon did was they took the economies of scale of all these ideas and gave them a platform. That's literally all they did, right? So everyone has great ideas, but the problem is you don't have the spare capacity just sitting around. You don't have like a what is it like? You know, sixty-four core Dell PowerEdge server just sitting around. Um, <laughs> but if you could have that server for just two hours to prove out something, just to build something and test it, you know, maybe it's a Snowflake yeah. uh, infrastructure, or maybe it's iCloud or something like that. If you just have that for two, three hours, build it out, mm-hmm. test it, show it to someone, show it to an investor, that opens up doors. And if you take mm-hmm. the aggregate opportunity that exists, where, you know, people's creative ideas in that same space. You end up being able to run one of these Dell PowerEdge servers 24-7 and at marginal cost because it's always being utilized, right? Um, and so AWS basically made this their business model. And they obviously charge you a premium on top of the actual cost of running these things. Um, mm-hmm. But they've gone all the way to where we are today, where they have a concept such as spot pricing, where you can basically say, hey, I have this piece of work. I don't really care when it runs. I need it, you know, some point in the next month. When your servers are about, you know, 30 pence per hour, let me know and deploy the script. Turn my server on and exactly. run the script. Exactly. And if, if it doesn't it, finish, amazing. fine. That's incredible. That's just incredible. Like you're basically turned uh, server infrastructure into an auction. You've, you've done yeah. Google AdSense on IT infrastructure. It's crazy. <laughs> it's it's super smart as well, right? It, it just makes sure that people use it. And and, and as, as once you get to the point of flexibility... It's funny when people talk about Amazon Web Services, you talk about the price, and you know right, it's really right. cheap, mm-hmm. but it really isn't. Like if you if you're going at scale, it's definitely not cheap, or or it's cheap enough for you to get started, and then you start thinking, hang on a second, this is pretty expensive as a recurring cost. Um, 
But I think a lot of that comes down to like not understanding how Amazon Web Services prices everything, mm-hmm. right? I think I think that's that's something that we've talked about in the past before. Um, but it, that spot pricing thing, you're just creating a completely new market and, and you're allowing people to just be like, right, I want to be using this at this time at the, for this price. Yeah. So the most interesting example I can think of this is Dropbox. So Dropbox started mm-hmm. off entirely powered by AWS. And they're okay. probably the most um, sort of forefront example of a company that moved to this concept of a multi-cloud setup. So they actually invested into their own um, cloud infrastructure and they still rely mm-hmm. on AWS, um, but they have this sort of multi-cloud setup. So they've moved certain components of their you know, um, cloud infrastructure on, uh, onto their own internal setup which they have more control over sort of more visibility over and we'll come on to this uh, sort of concept of security and stalking that amazon might do you know you run their service (laughs) on their platform we'll come to that in a second um but yeah they they have more sort of flexibility and freedom as it were and then they're keeping the components that aren't as critical that are cheaper to run on things like amazon whether it's s3 or, or whatever and it's a fascinating sort of model. If you look at companies like Apple, who also use AWS to power iCloud storage, um, it's mm-hmm. really fascinating that someone like Apple doesn't see its competitive advantage in setting up its own cloud infrastructure at all. Um, so it delegates nearly <laughs> all of its um, iCloud storage to AWS, whereas it keeps uh, things like um, the servers that run iOS uh, verification and you know iOS app delivery, those are all still maintained and run by Apple. So this whole multi-cloud setup is also a new concept that I think it's possible for the large enterprise who can kind of do that long-term strategic investment. It's almost like a, a test, right? If you haven't been able to sort of manage and grow your infrastructure to a certain scale on AWS, then you're probably not ready for the multi-cloud setup because you you probably don't have a, a sort of various how- of skills behind you. So here's a big question, right? How often would you even change that? So you've just migrated all your stuff from that computer sitting on IT's desk yeah. into the cloud. Mm-hmm. At what point do you say, you know what, this isn't working, let's move to something else? Would you even bother doing that? So this is this is a very interesting concept because um, up until maybe three years ago, I think it was a, if, if anyone said, mentioned the cloud, they'd only talk about AWS. Now you have uh, <laughs> Microsoft uh, Azure, which is Microsoft's yep. offering. And then you have Google Cloud Platform, which is Google's offering. Uh, and you have sort of the smaller players like Rackspace and Oracle. a few others, Oracle, who are, yeah, <laughs> I love the uh, Gartner um, Magic Quadrant Magic on quadrant, this because yeah. it calls them niche players, which, <laughs> which is like <laughs> a backhanded compliment in many ways. <laughs> it's like it's going to take you a lot of like legacy <laughs> yeah, stuff for yeah. you to want these guys. Yeah, exactly, exactly. These are niche players. Anyway, it's like Oracle, like a multi-billion dollar company, niche player yeah. in the cloud. It's <laughs> such a backhanded compliment. But anyway... Um, you know, the, these these companies have come to the fore now and they're bringing their USP. So I always think of Microsoft's USP. People will disagree with me here, but they were kind of late to everything. So their USP is that so are their customers and so they're going to bring them with them, right? Like, hey, uh, you've spent so much on this um, Microsoft platform. Let's move you to a cloud platform instead and hear the savings we can offer you, hear all the new opportunities that open up. Um, and so they're being very successful, actually, using that, you mm-hmm. know, bringing all their existing customers with them on that journey. Google, 
has come at this from their core competency, which has actually been machine learning and understanding. Um, basically, they were the first cloud company. I mean, Google Search was the first cloud product. Right. Like <laughs> here before even Amazon.com, that was a first cloud product because it required so much geographical and computing challenge. I mean, I can't. I like. I think it was only three years ago I stopped seeing uh, Amazon turn up as a bookstore in Luxembourg on my invoice. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and like, and, and and Google figured that out sort of right on, right early on. I'm actually reading a biography about how uh, the Google was set up as a company, and you know, it's it's going into sort of lots of amazing details. But that's Google's core competency, and so I think now in today's world, when you think about multi multi cloud setup, how do you transition between mm-hmm. them? Well, it's interesting because all the platforms are building setups that allow you to hop between them. They allow you to kind of, um, you know, talk from one to the other. And the the only real restriction is actually um, the barrier, which is data transfer. Um, yeah. If 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 the only the only thing that's actually stopping you from moving from one to the other is data transfer. Typically, all and, the and security to an extent, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I always think scare, security is like a scarity. Security is like one of those <laughs> things that's um, subjective because it depends on which side of the wall you're standing on, right? right. Um, and I yeah, think yeah, true. depending on where you're standing, it, it can look completely different. So I never objectively look at it and say, oh, that's the reason you, you choose one over the other because it just requires you to look at security from the perspective of that company. And if you don't, True. then it's not uh, it's not something you're going to go for. So it's not like you either like it or you don't with, a, with the respective platforms. Fundamentally, all cloud platforms offer you to set up security in the way that you would want. So you know, enterprise security is well understood. The concepts are well mm-hmm. researched. Everyone's going to be offering the same thing. Um, if you go to servers, right? Everyone's running a Linux server, Windows server, um, and they're all basically just um, doing the same thing. Where you get mm-hmm. competencies are when p- uh, people like Google have this TPU, Tensor Processing Unit, which is yeah, you know, a yeah, custom yeah. processor that processes specific types of computations much more it's many, efficiently. Many of the things like TensorFlow and all that machine learning exactly, exactly, stuff. Exactly. And so, and I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure Amazon have the same sort of thing with yeah. their, their machine learning capabilities. Yeah, yeah. Well. And then you also have the uh, you know the hardware game changing because of course Intel's no longer a dominant player in the CPU market. You know mm-hmm. people like AMD and even Qualc- uh, not Qualcomm, um, AMD uh, and uh, ARM ARM ARM. I see. Think yeah. ARM ARM process, which isn't actually one company. It's a consortium of companies that are you know invested in a in a particular way of making Sh- chips. shared interest. Yeah, yeah. low power <laughs> usage, high efficient. Um, highly multi-core setups um, that are now starting to be considered for things like server usage. You know, and sh- Apple as well, of course, are in the process. Absolutely, of absolutely. There, you know, the, Apple just acquired. I don't know Intel's um, LTE, five G, whatever uh, acronym we're on now. Number, um, <laughs> um, you know, chip unit. So the, the the USBs are revolving around. You know, what is your core competency? What is your hardware infrastructure like? Is there anything unique to you that you can offer? And where those things are unique, those platforms are pretty good at talking to other platforms. They're not sort of siloed. So I could have a process running on TensorFlow and then dumping the results in Amazon S3. You know, I don't know how I'm not sort of wedded to one place. And I think this is going to make 
the cloud wars very interesting because I think they've only just begun. The cloud wars. <laughs> <laughs> they've only just begun. And wow. Amazon has sort of first strike advantage because it has the biggest player base, but I also think it's got the and most also the to brand. Lose. Uh, I, well, I'm not sure about the brand. And <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, of course. Are they the big evil empire exactly, in, in this game? Because you can't disassociate AWS from Amazon and the, the company that was the first to put a microphone in your living room and listen to mm. everything you ever said. even And transcribe exactly. it and then send you ads based exactly. on that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's hard as an IT director or CIO to sit in your home and worry about that kind of stuff when at home. And also know that that's the same company that's powering your your infrastructure back in the office, and so it's yeah, really... yeah, that you're you're financing that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're it's... financing the economies of scale that makes Alexa only twenty to fifty pounds. Yeah, and... um, just for Amazon to listen to you. Yeah, and and it's 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 fa- it's fascinating because that becomes a real problem. There are companies now who wish to compete with Amazon and inherently therefore can't use AWS, yet it's the best option for them, if that makes sense. And they're finding it very, very hard to do business. This is a a large sort of um, discussion in America at the moment called antitrust, where um, if we take Amazon uh, Marketplace as an example, Amazon sell lots of products. They, of course, have analytics on what's selling and what's not. They also have their Mm -hmm. own brand goods, and it just so happens that their own brand own brand goods highly correlate with some of the most sold products on the Amazon web store. Okay. Right. So uh, go for it. Yeah. No, and and this, this always comes down to the fact that Amazon aren't exactly, you know, the reviews that Amazon had about being the company to work for, or, or rather being the worst, one of the worst companies in the world to work for, uh, given the long hours and sort of, uh, what's the word? Like just a, a lack of, a compassion for a company yeah, you know, it's just professional like professional well, empathy just, I'd say yeah. you, you're so you're so replaceable yeah. basically everyone's told as soon as you go in uh, that doesn't do great for their image either exactly um, and uh, especially given that you know that their market cap is so big and Jeff Bezos's personal wealth is just growing and growing um, and, and as we said before like it's not like people generally would change their their cloud platform too frequently so you're just stuck on the subscription model we're spending 20, 30, 40,000 pounds or dollars a year. Exactly. And you, d- you don't see this friction with uh, with Microsoft because guess what? Microsoft has been your enterprise um, partner for the last, I don't it's know, just 10, scale. <laughs> 10, 15 years. And, you know, yeah. they've, they've yet to prove that they look at your server logs and start upselling you on X. They've yet to produce a product that sits in your living room and stalks you. They've yet to have a bad sort of, uh, story in the press about privacy or, or anything. So what, what, what you mentioned earlier is quite funny, given you know so that Microsoft always late to the game. I mean, in this case, it's a great thing that they're late to the game, right? right? They've not they've got not got a brand to, to a, such a negative brand about them. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, we're the Windows guys, you know, we, we you know Excel, that's us. Yeah, like that's that's their USB, that's their that's their like platform for selling, and because of that, they get leverage on these corp- massive corporate deals they do. It's exactly. like, well, you're buying Office 365 from us. You may as well just push up all your stuff onto Azure because then you get all this discount. We'll actually give you discounts on all the other stuff you're buying because you're just doing all your services through Microsoft. And and, and whilst you're at it, we'll, we'll, we'll chuck in SharePoint lists for you. And, uh, yeah. and by the way, oh, I see you using Slack. Let's chuck in Teams as well. No, that, that will cost nothing. And uh, what, what's your what's your data viz tool? Let's let's give you Power BI, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've already got Excel. Here's Power BI. You know, they have this immense capability to bundle. And actually, 
they've been very good at it for years. I mean, everyone's Completely. always said why Microsoft is going to die, but guess what? They're still here. They're still one of the top three or four companies in market cap in the world, and yeah. they're still making money. I think they got rid of certain individuals um, in leadership at the right time. Uh, Bill Gates at the right time. Steve Ballmer, you know, he had his ups and downs, but people criticize Steve Ballmer. I'm going to he's defend him. He's the hype him. man. I'm going to defend him a little bit here because he's the hype man, but guess who started Azure three years before Satya Nadella came to the right. fore? It was Steve Ballmer because he saw this mm-hmm. coming and he turned the ship in the right way. And he obviously had to leave to, to not to be associated with it. And that's essentially mm-hmm. what happened. But anyway, yeah. um, Microsoft has a lot to gain in this place. Now, Google, on the other hand, um, you know, they suffer from the same sort of problem as Amazon. If you put something on your Google server, can you be sure that they're not going to look at your logs and see what you're doing? I, I remember I remember a previous company I worked for and we, we sort of, um, we, there was a massive overhaul. So I used to use, have you ever heard of the IBM's email client? Uh, I don't know what it was called, but yeah. yeah. You, know the, you know the one I mean, it's, yeah. it was something horrible. Is it Lotus? Uh, anyway. Lotus. Lotus Notes. Yes. Exactly. Yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. Oh, wow. Yeah. Journalists still use that stuff, man. There hasn't gone away. God. God. Yeah, I know. So Lotus Notes was what, what was used um, at the company I worked for. And then they, they were like judging and a couple of other vendors. Like, So Google came in, Microsoft came in, they let IBM pitch again. And apparently the security message that Google gave them was, ah, you know, you can trust us. We're Google. You can. I was like, well... That's like I don't know you going into a bar and an Eastern European being like, "Hey, let me let me take your phone. I'm not going to steal your data or anything like that." Like you know, it's the stereotypes you you've done to it. If you say you just trust me, you're ne- inevitably going to be like, "Why shouldn't I trust you?" Um, exactly, and actually, it shows even even when a company says, "Look, just trust us. We're not going to do anything crazy." That does not negate the fact that people make mistakes, and I, I hate that sort of. Um, complacency that it's okay we won't screw up it's fine you can trust us you know it's, it's exactly the shady that, guy in the bar saying not, like hey just trust me yeah that's not the problem the problem is is that mistakes happen and actually if you don't have um due diligence up front you don't give yourself enough chance to see where the mistakes can happen and that's where these companies kind of fall over um in the space at the moment so uh, we've kind of gone off tangent a little bit there but if we go back to sort of the cloud and, and AWS, I think it's an interesting time. They're, they are going to increasingly um, sell more and more products. I think they're going to launch Completely. more and more products. I think yep. the cloud market's now starting to get uh, saturated in as much as the big players have all turned up and they're all basically selling the same thing. So it's really, same thing. It's really hard to innovate in terms of new solutions without a competitive advantage that is unique to yourself, right? Otherwise, everyone's just basically buying the same processing unit from Intel, shoving it in the same Dell PowerEdge server and putting it in the same rack that everyone can buy and put in their Mm -hmm. own data center in generally the same locations in the UK, that's Slough, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I think think we said earlier that the cloud wars will ultimately be decided on who can give you the best bang for your buck. Exactly. Right. It will always come down to cost. Always come down to cost. Like you work with any IT team, always comes down to cost. How much can we save? How much can we get a discount on exactly. this product? So, and this is where I start to think: How long before cloud infrastructure, funnily enough, starts to become about hardware again? Basically, so <laughs> <laughs> you know this thing where we kind of try to abstruse ab- ab- ourselves from the hardware goes full circle, and actually, companies like 
Amazon and Google and Microsoft start investing in their own hardware divisions because the competitive advantage moves away from being the same components everyone can buy to being specifically how you design that. The kind of thing that guess what what kind of companies get at that kind of stuff? Uh, Tableau? No. <laughs> I wish. I wish. Begins with A and ends in E. Uh, as you? Apple. No, wait. Apple, 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 Apple. And Apple has no desires right now to get into that game. But you can absolutely no, no see chance. how that model absolutely suits them, right? You know, we're just going to make you the best product possible. Exactly. We're going to make it as easy as possible to deploy, and you just didn't even have to think. We're just going to do it for you. Exactly. Which, snap your fingers, and it will turn up. Which is funnily enough where AWS is going with all its latest offerings. Here's LightCell. It just figures it out for you. And here's, um, I think, one USB of Google actually over Amazon is that it automatically adjusts the hardware, so you're automatically paying the lowest price. I think that's one of the features that it has over AWS, whereas AWS has yeah. this cost estimator that shows you how you can save money, and then you have to take the action yourself. See, see, I, I, I'm I'm in two minds about that. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure I agree that's a good thing. I think it's just, it, it depends. I mean, we're, we're back at the favorite phrase of any consultant or person that works it in depends. any sort of tech thing. <laughs> it depends. Um, but but like if you're scaling, for example, if we if we we look look at the world we live in with Tableau and Ultrix, you do, you kind of want that throughput. That you, you kind of want that high ceiling, mm-hmm. because you like what happens when ten thousand people come in on you know if we're you're at university and everyone wants to look at the student survey, mums when everyone clicks that link on Monday morning at nine a.m. Right, and then you're going to get a coffee and if someone tells you the server's gone down, you're like oh no, what on earth happened? And you look at the calendar. But that um, but that's you, that's you want that ceiling rather than a flexible cloud deployment that will sort of just eke it up slowly on, on, on its way. But the thing is, is that it's, it's interesting because again, I, I actually trust Google to do that better than Amazon, right? Because when has Google search really? ever been down and how many times okay, has fine. Amazon been down, right? Mm. When was the last time yeah. Google search went down? <laughs> Never. Exactly. Oh my, yeah. 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 And and like it, Facebook goes down. WhatsApp goes down. Instagram was down. AWS a couple weeks ago, goes yeah. down, you know, when AWS when, does go down. and the funny thing when AWS goes down, Everything goes Everything down. Everything goes down. <laughs> like, <laughs> your phone is your phone doesn't know what's going on for a couple of days. Uh apps stop working. You know, it's just it's just a nightmare. And that's the thing. Yeah, I actually trust a company like Google to to nail that bit of the game a little bit better because I look at their experience and they're running their own stuff and Cloud infrastructures basically make available what you use internally to the mass market. Uh, uh I, I also I also I also think the scale comes into this as well. Again, like we talked about Azure a bit, we talked about well, you know, if you've got a Redshift database, go for Amazon. If you've got something in Google BigQuery, go for go for Google. The only thing I will say for Google is the interface isn't great to use. So this is um, this is an interesting thing. I think you're absolutely right um, because I think we've we've. Um, it's funny. Uh, when I use AWS, when I'm learning AWS, um, more to the point, and I've used uh, some aspects of the AWS, it feels like something that was built with jQuery um, back in I don't know when. And, you know, it's all very, here's a button, here's a select box, type in what you want here, here's a drop down. And it feels like it could have been built with like a very sort of straightforward UI. Google, on the other hand, have maybe gone a bit too far on the right-hand side of the dial, where they've they've tried to purposefully design a really slick Something interface. Sexy. And it's it's it it feels like it's it got as much love in terms of UX design as it did cloud design, right? And 
in a in a product like that, that's not reassuring in 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 one sense, and actually it gets in the way of using the product, which I think Amazon gets absolutely right. Um, an example I'll give is learning AWS versus learning Google Cloud Platform. Now, the Google Cloud Platform way of doing this is to literally create you a temporary Gmail account that is active for forty five minutes to cover the 10 minute lesson you've started. And then by the end of the lesson, it deactivates yourself and gets rid of the credits that you had associated with that account. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's just incredible, okay? That's, that's genius. Amazon solution, <laughs> let's just give you a whole year's worth of free tier, off you go. Like, it's just much simpler. It works, works exactly the same way. Figure it out, <laughs> have some fun, and then you will go from Exactly, there. and we just need to make sure your credit card's on file. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. You know, Google doesn't actually ask you for a credit card up front. And so it's an interesting model. It's The Google approach is over-designed, but it took me 15 minutes just to figure out how that sort of learning platform works, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that carries through to an extent to the, to the cloud platform. But I think the thing to bear in mind is that we are judging it as new users and therefore our experience of using these things is mostly through interfaces, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. in reality, most companies and most enterprise solutions don't use the interfaces at all. They use SDKs or command line um, uh, arguments to basically yeah. control these platforms. So in one respect, uh, I think we're qualified to talk about sort of how you use these things on face value. I'm not, I, I don't think we're we're quite there yet in terms of understanding how differentiated the SDKs and the command line sort of integrations are and you know how do they support a wide range of languages so that you can have developers skilled up in a few languages but still find the thing you need in any mm-hmm. cloud platform i think that's always a valid concern for sort of it teams who you know always recruiting for full stack developers but just want someone good at one thing <laughs> yeah I, I love the term full stack developer i think we've been over this before yeah, it's like yeah. you don't want that you just want this tiny part of someone to do that and then yeah. someone available to do the rest if you ever need it yeah exactly so, exactly so it's a, cool. it's a fascinating it's a fascinating uh sort of area i think the 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 now what um we've you know we're talking about aws today it's been around for over a decade it's nothing new um there's no, no big revelation i think in, in our discussion i think it's it's an interesting journey for you, you and me because um it's, it's worth it's worth keeping an eye on i think i think for, absolutely. The, for the general consumption it's, it's sort of like everyone's gonna start everyone's been talking about cloud and it sort of disappeared but now everyone's starting to do cloud yeah like, like it, it, everyone talked about it for ages and ages when the whole the first big data phenomenon came along, mm-hmm. cloud is the future, mm-hmm. but then that, that future is now. So, no, you know, this is the time to start thinking about what, what is Amazon Web Services and, and, and Google Cloud Platform and Microsoft Azure, and what, what does this brave new world mean for me? Exactly. I, I saw an interesting chart last week shared by a colleague, which was talking about the hype cycle, right? And, it, you know, mm. initially a product shoots to astronomical peaks, and that you know the peak of its hype cycle, it plummets to well below its anticipated sort of actual settling point, and then rises back to healthy levels of hype. And I feel like with the cloud, we are now emerging from the trough and coming back up to this healthy level of, of sort of, of 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 understanding of what it actually is and where its core competencies are, because a sort of a few of the early innovative companies have used it well enough. And, and trained up people well enough that those people have gone out to other organizations, started their own things, and now disseminated that knowledge more broadly. I always feel like that's what has to happen before these things are industry-wide, right? You know, 
Um, mm-hmm. Engineers that worked at Facebook, Google, Amazon 10 years ago, they're the ones now running, you know, head of IT or head of infrastructure at all these other new companies, you know, that are in the FTSE 100s and stuff. And now that stuff is becoming mainstream. Exactly. Exactly. It's it, it's com- it's coming on into its own now. Mm-hmm. This is this is when you you set up and start paying attention, not exactly. not in the early days. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, and you know the market's going to continue to grow. I think cloud infrastructures continue to grow at a healthy rate year on year. So that only means that you know I think more solutions will end up on the cloud. I'm not convinced we'll ever go to a cloud only world. I think the, no, definitely the, not. The, the definitely hy- not. The hybrid infrastructure is too valuable uh, for companies. And banks and, exist. And, 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 <laughs> Yeah, I mean, banks exist, but even they're threatened by new technologies like Bitcoin and, you know, the emerging sort of challenger banks who are, you know, have app only sort of infrastructures, right? True, um, true. So, which are all driven on the cloud. Like <laughs> uh, Monzo doesn't have like a data center sitting somewhere. hundred percent has that entirely on some sort of cloud platform. I'd actually be fascinated to know which. I might have to do some uh, IP tracking. Research into oh, that. Just, yeah, yeah. just put my phone on <laughs> a specific a IP on. address and put a yeah, sniffer yeah. on and let's have a look. might be able to find out um but yes i think um it's a really good time to be interested in the cloud more importantly there is now enough i think you know tangible and good good practice examples um compared to where we were maybe five ten years ago where it was quite an innovative tool and Mm -hmm. in terms of analytics i'm actually interested to see what possibilities this open up because to me this is like a first tier thing right before before the car was invented, first you needed the uh, idea of a combustion engine. Combustion then you engine, needed yeah. the idea of a tire. Then you needed mm-hmm. the idea of a wheel. You know, all of these things had to happen, um, you know, in a certain order. And the final thing was the industrialization. So you could have made all these things bespoke, but actually to make thousands of them, you needed the industrialization to take place. Likewise with the cloud. I think the cloud is sort of an enabling sort of, thing and with analytics now that it's here now we have all sorts of computational power available to us whether it's ram hard drive compute databases Mm -hmm. that respond nightling fast what new solutions can we mold together to answer really tough analytical problems right that can Mm -hmm. that need scale need agility sort of you know need solutions that need to be built as quickly as the people who think of them need them if that makes sense so if your data scientist Dying scientist thinks of a question tomorrow. How quickly can he stand up an environment that lets him or her answer that question? Right, right, and and, and that that that's that speed to insight is exactly exactly the thing that that's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's like how, how is this going to enable more people to ask better questions and also scale those questions better across the board as well? Right, right, absolutely, right. Well, I, think, I think that's been a that's been a. Uh, Really interesting topic. We we kind of talked freely there today, and it was this very interesting chat. We're likely, I think it will still follow the structure to an extent, though. Yeah, yeah we're like, it's fine. <laughs> we could easily do a whole season on AWS, and we could easily do a whole <laughs> season on any cloud platform. But that's you know that's that's maybe not us. There's lots of good um, no, 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 no. AWS and cloud platform podcasts out there. We'll probably find a couple and link them in the show notes um, if you're at all interested. Um, if you see us in person, by all means, come and chat to us. I think this is a very interesting discussion. We'd love to hear people talk to us about. People's ideas, yeah. Exactly. Um, we have, uh, we changed our name in case you missed that. <laughs> um, see yeah. a nice new logo as well. So we are datumpodcast.com and also datumpod on Twitter. So you can, you can come find us there and um, 
give us some feedback let us know what you think of um of the show and also give us ideas um right in terms of future shows ravis we have something kind of slightly different planned don't we yeah we've got something brewing we've yeah. got something brewing we, we, we've got um we've got a couple more episodes in this format mm-hmm. with the bits and the bites mm-hmm. uh, and then we're going to try something new called analog exactly um and then tim do you want to talk a bit more about analog or do you want to leave it as a teaser yeah, i mean well i think i'll mention something very briefly so we've had the concept of bits you know which are small sort of bites about technology uh bites which are softer discussions about concepts aws being one uh, you know learning being another and analog is is a slightly new area where we're going to start talking to the personalities behind the technologies, basically. So whether it's a developer, a technical evangelist, we're going to be talking directly to those people and find out what really motivates them and drives them and sort of inspires them to work in the space that we work in. And um, exactly. the, the key reason we're doing this actually is because it suits the, the, the timeline of the show where we go into October, November and December and we have this very compressed period where we we get together as a community uh, in in a sort of very short amount of time. So we thought we'd try and capitalize on that and try and sort of um, flip the focus of the show a little bit. So I think going mm-hmm. forward next year, you'll probably have, you know, 10 bytes, 10 bits, and then towards the end of the year, you'll have analog uh, sort of shows. And that, that will sort yeah. of see us off nicely for, for, for the end of the year. That, that sounds good. Yeah, I'm really excited for analogs. I think we're, we're, we're as, you, as you say, we're entering September, October, or Techtober, as, as Marcus, <laughs> as Marcus Brownlee would say, right? Like Absolutely. We're the, we are we're, three weeks from the iPhone launch. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And if, if you live your life between iPhone, iPhone and MacBook launches, uh, or tablet conference to tablet conference, or whatever it might be, uh, this is this is the time when you start gearing up and cracking your knuckles to be like, hey, let's let's get something cooking here. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, it's very very exciting times, very exciting times ahead. Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to the um, analog. But I think before that, we've got a couple of bits and bytes to come. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like keep keep tuned and yeah, keep keep sending us feedback. Absolutely. Um, it would we would love if you could take a couple of minutes to leave us uh, an, a nice little star um, on, on iTunes if you're listening on iTunes. Um, uh, the reason being is that uh, in, in the last couple of months, a lot has changed in the podcast world, hasn't it, Ravi? And um, mm-hmm. reviews now matter a little bit more than I think they used to in the past. So in order for us to kind of stay relevant, uh, we'd love to know what you think of the show on places like iTunes. If you like the show, you know what to do. Uh, you know, Give us as many many likes as uh, you can um and if not Pass then give on. us give us feedback we love feedback um we're going to be opening up more ways that you can give us direct feedback about the shows and topics that you want to hear about so um sorry to do a shameless plug there on reviews but yes um if you have a moment just just, just hit the start i, th- I think that, i think the start uh, yeah exactly <laughs> at least at least four stars um but yeah no uh, i think i'm going to leave it with a um something from the peter crutch podcast where he's like pass the pod you know find someone to pass the pod on to the pod and then right, right and then and then and then sort of goes from there i so. never thought i'd be seeking advice from peter crutch but here we are <laughs> <laughs> right exactly take it easy mate nice one take care see you later guys bye